1: Back with an all-new episode of Keep It. I'm Iron Madison III.
2: I'm Louis Fertel, and I would normally never admit this, but I actually am ready to relinquish summer, and I'll tell you why. I finally got word that an Oscar movie coming out soon is a masterpiece. I can't say who said it to me. I think it's embargoed, but the new Cape Blanchett movie, Tar, directed by Todd Field. Who lasted in the bedroom and little children and no other movies is apparently a banger. And also, I need to tell myself to stop saying the word banger because I saw Megan McCain say it in a tweet, which means that is now dead and buried.
1: Banger, rad.
2: No, rad uh, is great. I keep being right about that.
1: Just try to figure out what what other words. uh, Oh yeah, grim used used
2: to be a a thing I said all the time. I actually should be bringing that back.
1: You talk like you're writing for spin in the '90s.
2: (laughs) Yes. Read my new interview with Courtney Love.
1: (laughs) Um, you're you're ready for fall?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I I, within reason. I mean, summer is where we all do our best work spiritually. I feel, but I'm ready for Oscar season. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Leaves, you're ready for the
1: leaves. You're ready Being for that bundled crunch. bundled up,
2: turning off the air conditioning, and walking outside. People are miserable. I you're hate the vibe of that. You ready for crunch?
1: All. Crunch of leaves under your Steve
2: Madden's. No, I'm not ready for Evermore folklore season or whatever we're calling it now. <laughs>
1: uh you know, I mean, you're always excited for Oscar season, though.
2: Yes. No. If the if we just formally divided, you know life into summer oscars spring that would be
1: lovely especially since i feel like this is a the first real oscar season meaning what in a while in a while since the since the since lockdown oh i see the pandemic started this this is the first year where movies are actually making money too so right maybe top
2: gun maverick will be in the you know maverick is getting
1: I think I think Top Gun Maverick is going to get an Oscar nomination. Wait, for acting? I th- it may get a Best Picture nom.
0: I didn't like they it want, that they,
1: much. They want people to... This, this is making, like, titanic numbers. There's no way this movie is not getting
2: nominated. Well, I mean, it would be, yeah, the kind of Mad Max Fury Road of this year or something. But that movie, to me, was extremely innovative in addition to being entertaining. This is just... Good, old-fashioned American entertainment. Um, it's
1: Hollywood. It's Americana.
2: Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and talk. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and dissuade the Academy from going that direction. But
1: I'm launching I'm a full-scale consider for Tom oh, Cruise.
2: Wow. He, he needs the help. As you know, he has no machine <laughs> of any kind behind him.
1: Listen, I did it as a barb for Nikki, uh-huh. who was number one on Billboard for Super Freaky Girl, which... Honestly, I'm shocked. But <laughs> the 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 barbs were mobilizing. They, and, no, they and, were and, and streaming. The way, yes, they so were they're, purchasing.
2: They were a, a uniform political unit. That we understand.
1: <laughs> she was dropping um, more remixes and acapella versions than Taylor Swift. And Taylor already will drop like 50 versions of a single.
2: Right. Also, it's the first, what is it, solo female rap number one in some... How, since since Lauren Hill's do opt that thing. Which is crazy. But then, wasn't Bodak Yellow a number one hit? What are we talking about? It wasn't. So the statistic is, it's the first female rap solo to debut at number one since Lauren Hill. Which, yes. wow, you'd think that would happen all the time. Cardi, Megan, what's going on there? No, because Cardi and Megan's...
1: Uh, yeah, Cardi and Megan's are like assisted... Um, you know, they're, um, it's featuring someone else. Uh, so.
0: Pathetic. It's
1: the, the first solo, you know? Um, and I think that there is, you know, a, um, spiritual succession from do that thing to super freaky girl, you know? Cause Nikki is like, um, you know what, Lauren? I am going to do that thing.
3: Yeah.
2: I am the Jezebel of which Okay. You okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Cultures, come you know so you better watch out. <laughs> yeah
2: the do you want uh, that thing video, by the way, at one point we were watching that all the time that is that remains one of the best videos ever, just a perfect concept for a music video, and also like perfect marketing, like see how she's old school and the new thing you want to be a part of anyway, they really nailed it.
1: It is wildly a perfect song that I know I brought this up last week with uh like uh, this is how we do it, right mm-hmm. Do up that thing is a perfect song that you can throw on at any party, and you know um, the white's only side and the black side <laughs> will go up. Which you is know, how across. your parties are organized. Yes. <laughs> yes, I, I I have uh you know I throw parties across segregation lines, uh, <laughs> but
2: the lines are there. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, the lines are there. It's just like it's just like the gym and hairspray. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but both sides will go up, but I don't think do up has really been reclaimed as a white song
2: correct yes though that's not baby got back i do feel you will see a nervy type of white person sing all the lyrics to it to impress everybody but i guess that's just how all rap is now
1: i mean like
2: you when the jump off comes on oh please Uh, excuse me (laughs) watch me make a sprite can disappear in my mouth i mean i simply will do it
1: uh all right we have got a show I'm sorry, but unfortunately, um, we are wading into the Bodies, Bodies, Bodies (laughs) discord.
2: This is very an old school keep it topic when just two people would have a skirmish (laughs) online and then we would shout at them for 40 minutes or whatever. I'm feeling very retro right now. It
1: involves a film, It involves a queer celebrity, and it involves a New York Times critic. This is definitely classic keep it.
2: Yes. All right. So these are some of our greatest hits. Hope you enjoy.
1: And it's also we're we're waiting until like day eighty five of discussing this thing, but I do. And have it was thoughts.
2: supposed to be one DM, yeah. Th- like it accidentally <laughs> spiraled into this other thing, anyway.
1: But in honor of Lena Wilson, the New York Times critic uh, who sparked um, this entire bodies, bodies, bodies discourse this week, we're also going to discuss our favorite children of nepotism in Hollywood, which. I'm also gonna. We're also gonna discuss um, why I hate the term nepotism, baby.
2: Mm. Okay, that's exciting. I mean, unfortunately, many of my favorite celebrities are nepotism products. So I, I, I in a, in a way, I'm part of the problem. That said, sometimes some well, we'll get into it. But sometimes, if you're the child of celebrity, you have a specific. um Uh, uh, urgent need to separate yourself from that other famous person and establish yourself as something else, which I think sometimes makes the celebrity more interesting. Anyway, we'll get there.
1: And we will be joined today by the fantastic John Boyega to discuss his new film, Breaking.
2: I still have a very vivid memory of him emerging in the movie Attack the Block, which was a pretty... um, That year in movies was pretty boring. And so that movie, which felt very current young at the time it's him and you know jody whittaker uh teens british uh sci-fi alien movie um i remember when he was like the only exciting thing happening so i wonder if he remembers it too we'll get into it
1: all right we'll be right back with more keep Join Josie Toda, Alicia Pascual-Pena, and Yasmine Hamadi, three fearless young actresses, disruptors, and best friends as they navigate the issues that affect their lives on Crooked Media's newest podcast, Dare We Say. From hookup culture and social media to structural racism and LGBTQ rights, the girls are leaving no stone unturned and no DM unread when it comes to discussing what matters. They won't shy away from diving into deep, controversial topics that are important to their generation. The girls even turn to their elders, actors, activists, comedians, experts, politicians, and 26 year olds. All right, that's enough. In an attempt to understand the world their generation was handed and what they could do to improve it. We promise you don't want to miss this show, so grab your kombucha, your iced coffee, and your 17 other beverages and catch a new episode of Dare We Say? Every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. Young people scare me, but dare I say, I'm excited for Dare We Say. With less than 100 days to the midterms, it's safe to say midterm madness is settling in. You can find all new Vote Save America tees and hats in the Crooked store. And look, we are the ones who decided to politicize baseball hats, but ours come in cuter colors. So whether you're repping the West, Midwest, East, or South, we've got something for you. A portion of every single order on the Crooked store goes to Liz Cheney's fundraiser. I'm kidding. It goes to VoteRiders, the leading organization focused on informing citizens of their state's voter ID requirements and helping them secure the documents they need to vote. So check out crooked.com slash merch for the latest drop. Then head to votesafeamerica.com to find out how to get involved and do your part in the lead up to this year's midterms. The film, Bodies, 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 starring Amanda Stenberg, recently single Pete Davidson,
3: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and recently married Lee Pace.
2: And Uh, recently fucking gobbled up by gay men on the internet, Lee Pace. (laughs) Every time you fucking turn around, somebody can't believe he's tall.
1: I will say that um, Paul McCallion has a fantastic tweet. Uh, Writer and comedian Paul McCallion has a good tweet about... um, Lee Pace um, only goes viral for being tall and hot.
2: Right. I mean, he, which I is mean, fantastic. People have never fantastic. seen the. People still have never seen pushing daisies. You know, they haven't seen wonderfalls. Okay.
1: You know, they yeah. were not in the trenches like we were. <laughs> uh, <Right>. they, <laughs> they were not in the Brian Fuller trenches watching our favorite shows get canceled left and right. Yeah. So, um fantastic the- Emmy
2: win for Kristen Chenoweth,
1: former Keep It Guest by the way. Anyway, yeah. continue. So, I am very glad that um Lee Pace announced um that he's married in his GQ interview because there's this very specific thing where um people will claim like a celebrity online and then run their likability into the ground. I think someone was like the internet uh the internet tried really hard to um Oscar Isaac Lee Pace. <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow, right. I remember that those years of Oscar Isaac being our endless Tumblr boyfriend, correct?
1: Uh, so There's usually
2: one. You know, it became Timothy Chalamet after a while. You know the guy.
1: Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, this movie hit theaters recently and a review from Lena Wilson, a lesbian film critic. Uh, this is important. By the way, uh, yes. I'm, 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 not just being, I'm not just being Tucker Carlson here. Uh, <laughs> a
2: lesbian <laughs> film critic ran her mouth. Yeah. <laughs> huh? Uh, it's actually really fun to do a Tucker Carlson impression. I mean, do it in the privacy of your own home. You don't <laughs> all need to see it, but it's fun.
1: Anyway, a review from Lena uh, has sparked a feud with Amanla and kicked off a debate across social media. And the one thing I want to say about this is, why is it? always alina
2: you, and it, there are many varieties of Lena, and they run amok in this pop culture universe
1: <laughs> whenever i see alina trending on twitter it's never horn no,
2: <laughs> damn it you took my joke i was gonna use the,
1: <laughs> the name's
2: been downhill okay <laughs> <laughs> that was the last good one i guess or the, I, I mean no, i i enjoy things about actually most of the other linas in contention here but Lena Horne, yes. A cut above. Uh,
1: anyway, what did you think of the movie before we get into the discourse?
2: This is a movie that's never going to be my favorite type of movie. Like, I'd never get to, I'm never going to tell you, oh, it's the best movie of 2022 or something. For what it is, really enjoyed it. And I thought uh, Rachel Sinat, that's who we should have our eyes on. I thought she was fabulous in it. She she was in the movie Shiva Baby, if you saw that. Mm -hmm.
1: She was also in, um, if you recall, Call Your Mother on ABC, uh, which I could not stop talking about like a year ago. Right. And I I only bring this up because I ran into uh, two of the cast members, um, Joey and Austin, uh, last night at the um, Honk for Jesus Save Your Soul premiere. And (laughs) I was going in again about Call Your Mother and how much I love that show and Rachel.
2: Also, I want to say that Amanda Stenberg did give one of the best performances of the past, whatever, five years in The Hate You Give, which a, a movie I, I don't know that I need to see again, but was gripping at the time.
1: Uh, she also she also managed to be compelling in um that really boring Damien Chazelle jazz series.
2: Oh my God, right. Yeah. I forget that Damien Chazelle hasn't just given us whatever the three movies he's given us. Yeah. Um I enjoyed the movie. I and I
1: like the I you know I thought that Pete Davidson was surprisingly like very funny in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh the highlight was obviously Lee Pace's abs. And Lee Pace in that um in one of those glowing um you know teeth whitening masks as well.
2: Uh, right. That right, that, right. that
1: was a good jump scare in the film. I will say that I thought the dialogue was really funny, and I thought uh, its satire of um, Gen Z was was sort of really um, sharp until the third act.
2: I felt the same way. It's it's not something I need to see again. Like you you've seen one parody in a way, you've seen them all. That said, for a, you know a satirical horror movie, I did laugh several times. I mean, it's not it's just rare that I'm watching a horror movie other than Scream or something in the Scream franchise, and. Actually laughing. I remember um, your next had some moments I thought were funny, but um, not a common experience for me.
1: Yeah. Anyway, Lena Wilson uh, wrote a review for the New York Times, and she said of the film, the only thing that really sets bodies, bodies, bodies apart is its place in the A24 hype machine, where it doubles as a 95-minute advertisement for cleavage and Charlie XCX's latest single. And first of all, bitch... I'm happy with
2: that. Okay, right. Where, where else am I going to get that? Are you pretending Cleveland? that Charlie XEX is hyped enough?
1: <laughs> as rigorous as Charlie XCX's fan base is, we're not getting to number one on Billboard, okay? So right. we need the help.
2: Um, no, you say the words Charlie XCX to my mother, and she thinks it's like a cruel nickname Lucy has come up with for Charlie Brown. <laughs> um,
1: But... The thing about this review is that obviously um, she um, reduces the film to um, a cleavage machine, which is wild considering there's not a lot of cleavage in this film.
2: It's not, I I don't have a lasting impression of cleavage when I leave the movie. It's just, I, I wasn't thinking about it. I guess I wouldn't be the proper audience for that either. So I don't know, maybe one kind of person is likelier to notice that than I am. But you know what, actually growing up, I've had several friends who've had breast reductions and I'm like, what are you talking about? Do you even, what's? I, I've never looked below your neck before so you could be making this up to me. Again, I'm saying I might not be the right person to make this judgment, but.
1: Oh, the Illinois suburbs, home of breast reduction. Yeah, you know, <laughs>
2: I guess, yeah.
1: I will say my only lasting impression of cleavage from this film was Lee Pace's.
2: Right, maybe she meant that. If she had specified <laughs> that, that would have been almost progressive.
1: Uh, well, that would have been homophobic. See? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is what Amanda Stenberg was accused of being when she DM'd Lena on Instagram and said, your review was great. Maybe if you had gotten your eyes off my tits, you could have watched the movie. Which is funny.
2: I laughed. Yeah, I thought it was kind of funny. I, I I, I think it's a little ambiguous as to what tone she's going for because it is funny, but it's like, is it cutting to the critic or is it cutting to a 24 or, you know, so you could sort of interpret it a couple of ways secretly, but
1: Lena responded back with, Hey, Amandla generally a big fan of your work, but this is sure something really wishing you well in your career and life. Have a nice night. And then she posted it to TikTok.
2: Where all the good journalism goes, by the way. (laughs) If you're a New York
1: Times critic and you don't have an accompanying TikTok, what are you doing?
2: No, you're not getting the Pulitzer. That I know.
1: I don't want anything else to come of this. I am devastated to have received this message in the first place. I was a genuine huge fan of hers, but I'm posting this because I don't want this person who has more social power than me to think that it's fucking okay to do something like this. It's unfathomably weird to get I don't want you in the locker room while I'm changing bullying from a whole other lesbian girl. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want this to go anywhere, but I am taking a private DM and making a TikTok about it.
2: Right. No, first of all, there is something deeply dubious about taking a private message, even if it's from a celebrity. In fact, it's in particularly dubious because you're pretending like the public is entitled to hear something because a public figure has said it to you. So already turning that into a moment where you're quote unquote reclaiming the narrative, but instead kind of just going after somebody is strange. And also I just feel like this critic should expect that sometimes people in the review you're writing about will reach out in a way and to react as if, I don't know if you interpret what they say as homophobic, that's one thing, but obviously Amanda is queer. So did she really think that anyway?
1: Yeah, uh, the I don't want you in the locker while I'm changing bullying is so, what a weird phrase.
2: Yeah, like clearly and, they're not in a locker anyway.
1: And then she goes on to say, do you think she Instagram would Allison Wilmore, Justin Chang, and Anthony Lane like this who also reviewed the film? Well, no, because I don't think their reviews reduced the film to being uh, a Russ Meyer film.
2: Yeah, right, right. So, yeah, weird comparison. All right. Uh, which then she kept
1: going with, it's always weird when the homophobia is coming from inside the house, but this is something else. And, girl, I I hate that this has basically become the slap. Sure. Because people, there are actually people online acting like Amandla shot this woman in the face.
2: Actually, I thought Amandla's response de-escalated it Somewhat successfully. Of course, it didn't actually end up de-escalating it. But she said, I just thought I would get out here really quickly because I'm receiving a lot of commentary on the internet for being a very naughty girl and for sending a DM that I thought was hilarious. There's a film critic and her name is Lena Wilson. She described the movie as a 95-minute advertisement for Cleavage, which I thought was hilarious. I'm proud that a piece of work I was a part of was described in such a renowned publication. I thought it was hilarious. Well, according to her, she thought it was hilarious. I don't know if you heard her say it 75 times, but anyway.
1: <laughs> Definitely me when I think something's hilarious. I say, right. you know what? It was so hilarious. It was it was really hilarious.
2: Me watching stop. the Carol Burnett show. It's really <laughs> hilarious. It's really hilarious. Tim Cowboy is really hilarious. Um, but she continued, I think Lena was trying to make a commentary about A24 sexualizing me, sexualizing my body, exploiting young women in order to sensationalize them. I want to stop right here. So she's actually calling out something that I feel could have been called out, you know, mm-hmm. and, and she's in an A24 movie. So I find that even kind of risky on her behalf in a cool way. Um, but she goes, which I understand. I wear this ta- tank top in the movie because me and the costume designer felt it fit the character well. I do get tired of people talking about my chest. It seems to me in Hollywood, it's not normalized to have boobs that are above an A or a B cup. So I felt like she is, in fact, acknowledging that the comment did have a bit of a barb in it. You know. So Yeah. I, I I I felt it was a mature response and a, a, a kind of a cool response, even though it's dubious that she said something was hilarious forty times.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh and it's all it's it was nice to see her critique um A twenty four. Um in her comment, too, you know, even though my biggest critique with A24 is that they're also an urban outfitter's masquerading as a film production company. Correct, yes. Uh, Lita then went on to say, I will not be checking her story, but I hope she gets well soon. So, Lita implies that she didn't even check out Amanda's really um, thoughtful response, uh, which I also think is a lie. I'm sure she watched it.
2: Oh, I have the distinct feeling she spends a lot of time on the internet. Do did you, did you get that impression?
1: <laughs> uh, and I feel like I should post this to hold Amanda accountable, but it also really seems like she might be going through something. So truly wishing the best, which then made me hate this woman more than I already did. Like, I thought it was funny at first, but now she's implying that Amanda is unwell. Right. <laughs>
2: uh, um, and I just want to say what I saw. Uh, this woman's TikTok initially I thought it was of course um Danny from A Shot at Love with Tila Tequila and I was excited (laughs) to see her but Danny's nature is kind and I wasn't getting that from this woman so I was jolted
1: I want to know where this particular white woman voice comes from there's always this like um Mount Holyoke, like, inflection <laughs> that comes from, like, a specific white woman who's also queer and needs to tell you something about yourself. It's, it's just right. a specific inflection. And, and I heard it, and it was like nails on a chalkboard to me.
2: Um, the Seven Sisters, I blame all of you equally. So, um, <laughs> Smith on down to Wellesley.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um... I
1: think that being a New York Times critic and getting a DM from a celeb is probably something that's happened before. It's definitely mm-hmm. happened before. Yeah. It's also before the days of DMs, like the celeb would have sent you an email or called you or like cursed you out at um, Sardi's. I don't yes, know.
0: right. Uh,
1: <laughs> and I think every journalist has stories like this and you know like if we like you know like when i off the cuff mentioned you know like uh um, Azealia Banks you know calling me out for um saying she was broke on this podcast which i apologized for um but i thought that was funny you know right. or like everyone has a story that they can sort of reference um from time to time but to go on tiktok and make it a big thing i feel like is abusing your social power, which is funny because she tried to claim that Amanda has more social power than her, but she's the one who took it to TikTok and to started to get it trending. And, and also, sure she's, she's a only... writer
2: for the New York Times. Sorry, yes. that's
1: one of the larger newspapers, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: it's, not, it's not bigger than Marquette University High School's The Flambeau, okay? I had Where more you did circulation. Lots of
2: journalism. Yeah, right. I <laughs> had more circulation than the New York Times. I'll, I'll let you know that. I'm sure you were reviewing the newest Kevin Little single and everybody was eating it up. Uh, And it's,
1: she clearly took it to TikTok because she's looking to make her TikTok bigger. Like this, this woman is on TikTok constantly talking about how um, she's an amazing culture critic. uh, She's a reader. uh, She's just just simply great. There was some, uh, someone was sharing one of her old TikToks from February and, it's truly like a four-minute TikTok about how she's good at her job because, because of osmosis. She has no formal training, but cultural criticism is an art, and she's really fucking good at it.
2: And, and with all, as always with geniuses, they have to tell you they're good at the thing because you can't figure it out on your own. You know, So we're lucky that she was there to point out. Her own skills. And I simply love it when people can't shut up about how they read. Uh, I find it (laughs) endearing and rad. And it makes me want to be literary hearing you congratulate yourself for owning pages. Uh, Most of her TikToks sound like she's strapped
1: James Bond um, to a table as she's explaining her (laughs) evil plan. I am a critic.
2: (laughs) Daniel Craig, like sideways glances, figuring out how to get out of the room.
1: Also, I just read The Poisonwood Bible. <laughs> Barbara King
2: solve your way out of this.
1: Uh I think anyway, I thought the entire thing was very funny uh and very internet. Yeah. Until oh. this woman jumped out the window. Right. Like she couldn't mm-hmm. she couldn't let it be funny. She had to ruin it and then the internet had to ruin it uh by implying that Amandla was um basically trying to kill this woman. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the hate she is still giving. Yes, that's what that movie's about. Anyway, yeah, funny uh, uh, old school internet skirmish. I enjoyed it for a second. And also it's one of those things where everyone's personality kept emerging. Like, oh, I thought we were dealing with this one type of person. Then you turned out to be this other type of person. And then, oh, Amanda thought you were kidding or did she? Anyway, lots of getting to question people's motives again and again, a big old clue game. I
1: honestly hope it's dead as a conversation, but if it's not, I need a, I need a new twist. Like I need, I need someone else from the film to
2: jump in. Oh, well also hurt, uh, Lena Wilson's dad is a prominent New York times writer would love for him to jump in and be like, my daughter got the very best academic training. I don't know. I'm, I'm picturing like a sort of Richie rich type parent figure jumping in here. (laughs) Uh, the other thing about, Le- the, the
1: one last thing I want to say about Lita is that she implies that um, she went on in our TikTok to imply that she's so good at her job. Um, and that's why at like 24 years old, a barely edited um, review that she wrote hit the front page of the New York Times. And I would like to point out, sis, that you were describing nepotism.
2: <laughs> right I, i've brought this up before um fran lebowitz talking about how uh, actors in hollywood are uh, who are nepotism children are obsessed with saying well it got me my foot in the door but i had to work really hard after that she goes the whole game is getting your foot in the door that's what everybody wants <laughs> the opportunity to be in the room yeah
1: uh anyway if you want more from lena wilson um she's right there on the new york times She's still posting her reviews, and I want to point out that her, her bio on the New York Times uh, describes her as a project manager at the New York Times and a freelance writer covering film, TV, technology, and lesbian culture.
2: Which I consider technology. <laughs> it's redundant. You're a journalist, right? Editor.
1: <laughs> Wally, my favorite lesbian. <laughs> All right, when we're back John Boyega joins us To discuss his new film, Breaking Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams Lewis. Yes When you see Footprints in the Sand That was when I carried you In my Barefoot Dreams robe
0: The unique design lets your kids make their bed with just a zip. Our patented bedding includes everything you need. A fitted sheet, top sheet, and comforter in one seamless piece that zips together. Kids love the feeling of accomplishment when they can make their bed by themselves every day. Make your mornings easier and visit Bettys.com. That's B-E-D-D-Y-S dot com.
1: Black Stories, Black Truths. You know him from Attack the Block, Star Wars, and Steve McQueen's recent small acts. And now he's back in theaters this week with the true life thriller, Breaking. We're thrilled to welcome to keep it the fantastic John Boyega. How you doing? Good? We're great. Great. Uh, It's a pleasure to have
2: you here. Pleasure. The impression from looking at your filmography is that you have worked basically endlessly since about 2011. They, like the, the nature of some of these movies is they're so huge, they must have taken months and months and months to film. And does being that busy increase your appetite to make good movies, or is it ever just completely exhausting?
4: Um, it can be exhausting. It can increase your appetite. Right now, my appetite has been increased because I'm working with people who actually understand me and who actually have seen my previous work separate from star wars it's always complicated when you work in an industry of people who are basing the movies off of the mainstream kind of movies that you see uh whereas in the kind of indies and other time like half of the yellow sun um like small Lacks, my murder little little things that i've done where i've been able to be given the opportunities to show more versatility so i'd say it's a bit of it's a bit of both you know it just comes in these random times where you just have to kind of adjust you know
2: mm-hmm. we just had uh connie Britton on our uh show last week obviously tremendous actor but honestly i look at just the actors you've worked with and you're working with viola davis and the woman king coming up uh which we're obviously uh thrilled about do you have favorite actors you've had kind of amazing moments with on screen where you've learned something from them because i just think of somebody like i think it's rare that somebody as young as you has worked with so many like just sheer greats basically since the beginning
4: yeah, I've learned I've learned a lot. Um, definitely from Viola, you know, just and this is just from conversations. I think obviously the work looks fun, but when we get on set, we're all colleagues. So it's a different, even though my age is my age, it's like a different kind of vibe. But I listen to the stories that they tell. Um, I listen when they get into that mode because a lot of the times the older actors are here to work with you. And so they kind of need there needs to be a mutual respect for you to be able to collaborate. But those moments where, you know work the work vibe kind of fades a bit and then they step into kind of like the og status um you know mentorship uh, are really really important but i just listen to the stories that they that they tell uh, um and the stories that they share it's been really good so far
1: mm-hmm. um you had an interview recently too with the daily beast where you talked about um you know you had this conversation with um daniel kaluuya about you know um the work you wanted to do in the future um uh, and Just what does it look like, you know, like, I feel like two honestly iconic actors um, sitting down and just talking with each other about acting and talking about, like, what you want to do. Like, how did your relationship with him sort of form? And I feel like is that um, someone you want to do, like, work with in the future? You know, I know he's in the Peel universe
4: a lot. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, most definitely I'd love to work with him in the future, but Daniel's someone... That I knew coming up from the UK, um, mm-hmm. and it was a play called Sucker Punch. And I just waited behind mm-hmm. him to, play to meet him. Um, I hadn't done any work at the time, so I just wanted to, you know, ask for advice. So I think that's just the energy of our relationship from when we first met. The first time I met him, I was asking for advice, <laughs> so um, <laughs> and the advice is actually quite good. So, um, you know, I always invite him over and just, you know, try to connect and, and just to share, share knowledge. Um, Daniel's just slightly older than me, and Daniel has, um, a perspective that i think is quite unique and interesting and anytime we can break bread and just share minds especially navigating through this industry and then especially as uh black brits Brit, is mm-hmm. something, something that is 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 quite good for the path that we're on
1: what would you say is maybe like your favorite like nugget of advice you've gotten from him over the years and also maybe just talk a bit about um that whole thing about two guests being black people in this industry but also british in the industry too
4: um i mean the advice was just based on what i've said for the last past few days which is you know just work with people who want to work with you work mm-hmm. with people that mess with you work with people that understand what you're what you're doing work with people that uh actually want to explore the versatility that you carry um and not necessarily working with people that um can sometimes pigeonhole you and box you and and have a wrong definition of your talent um, and I think that's very important because John, Jordan Peele had to f- see something specifically in, in, in Daniel to to also give him this kind of consistent, strong work that that Jordan's been giving him all, over the years. And that in itself is a testament to finding somebody who's on the same page as you, who's creatively aligned with you. And I think that that's what, yeah, doing that, especially after the Star Wars era, has has just granted me a much a much more healthy, better career that I'm more comfortable in.
2: Who would you say are creative collaborators you've had who you felt surprised to be simpatico with? Surprised to have the connection, like they understood what you brought in a way that you couldn't have anticipated.
4: Um I would not I will not I w I won't I wouldn't say I was surprised because it was all black. <laughs> 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 no, I mean like sometimes <laughs> I mean sometimes you know just get the people them and then they just understand, you know? Um <laughs> But, you know, in, including in that is, is is Abby Corbin, you know, who who's come in as the director of Breaking and, and done a fantastic job. Um, and I think that we meshed on a level that was quite important to me because, you know, it was such a quick turnaround time before I got the script and then when we got to set. And Abby, the collaboration, the detail that she had, the documentation was so specific. She had details down to how Brian walked, how he spoke, you know, just different details about him and her offering me this information made me feel seen as an actor. It's kind of like you're giving me this expressive detail, even detail when it comes to his body language, his voice, because, you know, I I do this, you know, that I, I transform self. You know, I don't play when it comes to my skill set. So for her to acknowledge that and then for us to be on the same level was was fantastic.
1: Speaking of people like you've worked with as well, uh, you're with Nicole Bahari in Breaking. Uh, And even going back to um, Attack the Block, you know, with Jodie Whittaker, I find it interesting that, like, the three of you, and I'm sure other people you've worked with, too, have been, like, people who've been under intense scrutiny for, like, um, genre things that they've done. You know, Jodie was the first female doctor and dealt with a lot of that. And then Nicole Bahari, you know, dealt with her own thing on Sleepy Hollow. Like, is that something that, like, you and maybe Nicole, like, bonded over being black people in these sci-fi things that, like, there's a small vocal white minority that's just, like, always going to attack people who step into these roles? They would
4: wish we bonded because of them yeah they in a consideration like that nah bro (laughs) nah nah we did it we did it i mean what we bond on is the share excitement um Nicole specifically, Sleepy Hallows, I had watched. I had actually been in LA doing pilot season while Sleepy Hallows was was, was coming out. So when I saw all mm-hmm. the billboards, I was kind of like, you know, that was motivation for me being in town, wanting to book a pilot, you know, hopefully, you know, get a get a TV series. Um, I think that the work that everybody has done previously is, is something that you fixate on more than anything. And, mm-hmm. you know, the whole reason why you're collaborating or even chose a project in the first place is because you hear that, you know individuals like nicole and salinas and michael are attached and 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 want to come on board so that's where the bonding um happens i guess when it comes to kind of like sharing minds when it comes to trolls and stuff is we're just cussing them out just talking shit
2: (laughs) (laughs) no way i'm i i would not have guessed you were somebody who had to ford la pilot season ever i look at your projects and they're you know There are some, uh, you know, American franchises and stuff. But do you have any stories from pilot season in L.A.? Because that seems like a pretty treacherous undertaking.
4: It was treacherous. And I did pilot season in L.A. uh, with public transport. So when people come and say in L.A. You lot don't know. You lot don't know. But also, I... I, I commend I commend myself when it comes to that as well, because that's the the concept I always tell people. I always tell people that it kind of reminds me of going to the gym and transforming your body. You know, when you go to the gym, you go for like six months, you transform your body, you come back. I'm like, who's going to be more surprised, you or the people seeing you for the first time in six months? And it's usually going to be the people because they don't know the specifics of the work you put in, the early hours. and And, you know, the illusion of success is to kind of like, scribble out those moments and it just looks like fast paced, just success back to back. And you know, that helps us in getting our uh, getting the positivity out there. But at the same time, yeah, most definitely there's there've been some times, you know, I got lost at Skid Row. because um, the buses, I had to understand the buses because you lot was on the opposite way. Um I was staying in Santa I, I've stayed everywhere. I was staying in Santa Monica, I stayed off of uh, in Inglewood or stayed in 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 Los Feliz. So all over the place. So I've just done I've done my time. I've done my time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah i'm trying to think of how the bus would get you I'm tr- what pilot w- i guess if you stayed downtown maybe you could get lost on skid row or something one
4: one time i stayed um downtown with some small little in a room in somebody's apartment so i you know got the rented out the room and stuff to me and stuff i've, I've just been i've just been around um and i've been lost several times because pilot season is back to back it was about three projects um sometimes at three auditions a day sometimes maybe even four. Um, and then I was staying with like a whole bunch of uh, acting students in Runyon at the end of Runyon Canyon there's some like little student accommodation there for a little <laughs> I've been about you know I've been coming to l a you know eight years ago I started coming, so it's like a long time ago it's been it's been good though
1: one of my favorite things when actors talk about you know like their early um you know um auditions and things in l a you know and especially like a pilot season thing is the people that they were. Constantly seeing, or the people that they'd be up against, and like who they now see um our colleagues are colleagues of theirs, and they're like, Remember when we didn't book like rookie blue or whatever? Uh, are there people <laughs> are there people that you remember being like in the trenches with you and now you see them and you're like,
4: Hey, Michael B. Jordan, Michael B. Jordan? We were auditioning for Black <laughs> Lee's the brick. We were for <laughs> Spike Lee's the big. And i and I think I recognized him because he had been in the wire already. I think he had been in the wire. And I recognized him, but he was doing press-ups at the audition because he was auditioned to be boxers in that. <laughs> 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 I just remember this dude doing press-ups. I reckon recognize, I like, isn't this the dude from the wire? Um, because I'm a big huge fan of the wire. I've always, always kind of uh, you know been a huge fan of everybody's even being slightly involved in that show. So I recognized him straight
2: up. I was like, isn't that Michael? Michael
4: B. And then obviously, look. The, now look at him now, which is, which is, which is fantastic.
2: I guess we should talk about the wire for a second. Since obviously, uh, your co-star, Michael K. Williams was on it. Did that show come up a lot on set? I mean, how could it not? The, the wire is one of those shows where there's no second one of them. There are uh, of course, gritty dramas in the world, but the wire is second to none in this universe.
4: No, it, it didn't, it didn't come up. It only came up like once for me to say, I really liked you in that. And that was like the beginning kind of beginning conversations, um, Everything else, then, you know, it became about the work because it's so intense. It's an indie movie. You know how that is. I feel like the bigger the budget, the more time to have fun on set. That's what I've clocked. There you go. <laughs> budget is. Some budgets, is just this is just a film. that You lot don't have time to even talk on set. Um, and you just find the fun moments within that.
1: Well, I mean, then I would imagine you would have had a lot of time to have fun on the Star Wars set where, obviously, everyone loved your relationship with Oscar Isaac. Um, how did that like evolve over three films
4: yeah yeah i mean it was blatant i think the chemistry was was one of the main catalysts for oscar even getting a role you know in the first place mm-hmm. uh, and, and for us even being partnered up because i had auditioned with another actor who was very very talented as well um but i, I did, it came down to chemistry and uh, myself and oscar i don't know where it is as soon as i saw him i just started dying, like, i just started laughing <laughs> it's just that bro you know what i mean it's just that's just my guy you know so we that chemistry was always something that people really, really enjoyed in the movies.
2: Have you ever had chemistry with an actor that, I, I don't want to say wasn't there when you were just talking, but like something else emerges once you're doing the scene with them and you're like, whoa, what the fuck is that?
4: Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I say I say Jamie Foxx, but you lot ain't seen that movie yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> trail. <True. laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like that with Jamie. I feel like on set when we're working with each other on Dayclones, I remember we felt like we found some real cool moments that we didn't expect to find, you know, when we we're walking onto that set. And that's just because, you know, Jamie's got that, that talent for improv. And me, I don't mind going back and forth on that. So, you know, when you put two of us in the scene together, sometimes you find, <laughs> you find some, some, some different type of magic that you're able to make. And that's something for me as actor I'm like, wow, that's, that's real cool.
1: Mm-hmm. What I really love is that, you know, you're a, um, you know, trade theater actor as well. And um, I have to imagine that, um, The kind of roles that you had pre, you know, um, launching into um, Hollywood um, were a lot more varied and a lot and a lot of like just sort of like things that might seem like a left field for people who know like your um, film work now. Uh, Are there any roles that you played um, in theater that, you know, you sort of like think of fondly or um, something that like you did before on stage that you're really like, I can't wait to have a film like this um where i can show people that i can do this kind of thing
4: oh yeah i've done a full um contemporary dance show at the national theater um at the cotisloe um okay which i'd love to, i'd love to do it i'd love to do a, a film that goes into contemporary dance body movement um something that allows me to dance be free um explore mm-hmm. that energy um i've done a another play called Wojciech at the old vic theater but right, a, a soldier struggling with ptsd and um, and, and having il- illusions and going through some some serious mental health issues um, and that i felt was was a very very um powerful role that i would love to do love to do publicly and then i would, I want to be one of the ensemble dancers in that mj the musical i just want to come in a second uh, <laughs>
1: uh <laughs> one of my friends wanze uh is in that musical and uh i've seen it twice already and it's 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 really fucking
4: fantastic. Man, it's really bloody good, mate. It's so good. It's so good. But I, lo- I love the stage. The stage, the stage is where you find your versatility. And then you come into some Hollywood movie making and, and, and Hollywood seeks to identify you. But it's weird. It's like they identify you within the roles. It's like you have to be the role. And that's not how actors are trained. You know, that's not, that's not even acting. <laughs> that's not how it works. Yeah. You know, it's 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 not about me at all. It's more about what I can do to transcend and and become the character. And I think on stage, that is praised more than sometimes um, in the Hollywood style of filmmaking.
2: Are there qualities and characters you've played that have been conferred upon you by like? you know, casting directors like, oh, he is like that character he played once upon a time and they're just totally wrong. Do you ever feel like misrepresented by the work you've done?
4: Definitely. And we just stopped that. I mean, that, you know, but not work I've done. It's been re- mostly requests. Work I've done most likely is because, yeah, they they recognize that. Even though, even with Finn, like, you know, when when JJ said that Finn is not, um, Finn is not an everyday hero, he's going to start off at this uh vulnerable position where he's, he's got the small little afro he's slightly more kiddish like even looking at a force awakens like i'm not like that like even at that age i wasn't like that so that was every every character that i've played i've had to kind of ch- change something with a walk the tall accent it's it's because i like to play i like to i don't want to be myself on screen unless let's go and make documentaries right it, 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 that's a <laughs> whole different format <laughs> <laughs> um
1: and you've worked with, you know, like uh JJ, as we said, you know, like Catherine Bigelow already, um, uh, Ryan Johnson, and then Gina Price, by the way, and The Woman King, who um I ad- I adore her. Uh I think she's one of my favorite um film directors. Um as a person who, you know, like is looking at people who you want to work with, people who are going to understand you, um, are there particular um maybe directors or other creators who you like, you have your eye on. Like I, I want to do something with them.
4: Yeah, I definitely want to re-collaborate with Steve McQueen. That'd be fantastic to do, to do Mm -hmm. something. Um, I think Malik Vital who directed Imperial dreams, we've, we've spoken. Um, and he wants me to really transform and he's got something real cool for me. So we've been, we've been cooking in, cooking in the Mm -hmm. lab. Um, it's, it's mostly people that I've worked with, worked with before. Because at this stage, you know, have, have a little bit more respect for yourself and um, seek to collaborate with directors who also mm-hmm. they would have done the work before and all that kind of stuff as, as as me, but also directors who actually know of you, who actually know what you can do. And you know of them, and there's that kind of mutual synergy where you go, ah, let's go and collaborate on something. I'm a little bit much more strict when it comes to when it comes to that because I just find it uh, severely
3: important.
2: I was like fascinated by a quote you gave recently where you talked about how it's sort of exhausting basically to have to keep paying respect certain times, like how it's expected of you to be sort of deferential and you said you can pay respect, but sometimes you'll be overpaying and selling yourself short. And I, I, I feel I like the amount,
4: yeah. <laughs> are we overpaying,
2: like? Yeah. what are your experiences with that? I, I just thought that was a kind of fascinating and uh, probably ongoing struggle that an actor faces. Like how, how much do I have to be prove I'm, you know, um, sign to work with or whatever
4: you get you get fame and you get a bit of money you just have to understand a lot of people are going to assume you're an asshole because fame and money in folklore turns out assholes so in that sense you're fighting against really intense assumptions that some assumptions where you can't blame the audience for feeling that way because that's an example that other people have left behind as well and that's what you know we are are, to a certain extent our experiences and what we've kind of taken in but then with that you you then realize that you know you need to you need to you need to learn how to be calm in the most um interesting um, experiences because people can misjudge you can misjudge your character and then can misjudge whether or not you know, you're, able, you're, you're good enough to work with and, and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of the time it is, you know, severe, severe misjudgment. And it's because we've dodged a nuanced conversation, which will give you the detail, which be like, oh, oh, okay, we're both cool. And so that's why I'm like, find people who are committed to listening to you, not people who are committed to misunderstanding you. Um, and there's a lot of that, you know, in, in, in the world, because sometimes, you know, people don't do the work to understand, they do the work to respond, you know, and, and that's why I'm maneuvering right now. Mm. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today. God, what a pleasure. Yeah. I mean,
1: Lewis and I were talking about it before. I just feel like in 2011, when, like, Attack the Block first hit, that movie was so phenomenal in, like, a year where, like, there weren't a lot of great movies that year. It felt new. And it felt fresh.
2: You were like the only exciting thing from that time. I remember specifically all the movie bloggers were like, oh, John Boyega, well, that's exciting.
4: I think, yeah, I was like, the way they got that off the red box was crazy.
1: (laughs) Breaking is out in theaters August 26th, and The Woman King with Viola Davis and They Clone Tyrone with Jamie Foxx are out later this year. To post or not to post? That is the question. At least for the hosts of Dare We Say. Josie Tota, Alicia Pascual-Pena, and Yasmeen Hamidi talk about performative activism and how social media has mobilized the activists in all of us for the best and the worst. Plus, in a new segment, the Icuation Room, the girls discuss one of the most polarizing topics, the Zara Landing Page. You don't want to miss it. New episodes of Dare We Say drop every Thursday wherever you get your podcast.
0: Tired of fighting your kids to make their bed? Say hello to Betty's. The unique design lets your kids make their bed with just a zip. Our patented bedding includes everything you need, a fitted sheet, top sheet, and comforter in one seamless piece that zips together. Kids love the feeling of accomplishment when they can make their bed by themselves every day. Make your mornings easier and visit Betty's.com. That's B-E-D-D-Y-S dot com.
4: So many teenagers waiting to be adopted from foster care feel like their lives are over. They've given up hope of having a permanent home and are terrified of aging out with no support system. Right now, more than 113,000 children are waiting to be adopted in the U.S. The Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption is dedicated to finding them the right family before it's too late. Learn how you can help
3: Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great.
1: With less than 100 days until the midterm, it's safe to say midterm madness is settling in. Right now, you can find all new Vote Save America merch in the Crooked Store. A portion of every single order on the Crooked Store goes to Vote Riders, the leading organization focused on informing citizens of their state voter ID requirements and helping them secure the documents they need to vote. So, Check out crooked.com/slash merch for the latest drop. Then head to votesaveamerica.com to do your part and find out how to get involved leading up to this year's midterms. So, we got into nepotism a bit by discussing uh prominent lesbian Lena Wilson, uh, but also. Idris Elba is on the promo tour for his new film, Beast, in which he plays a father protecting his two daughters from lions on a South African nature preserve. During an interview with The Breakfast Club, Idris mentioned how his own daughter auditioned for the movie but ultimately was not cast, which has sparked another uh, online debate about um, nepotism in Hollywood. And I would like to, one, talk about this, but then also talk about our favorite nepotism babies in Hollywood. And I only brought up that I hate that word because, I don't know, something about saying nepotism baby, it's just, it's, it just doesn't roll off the tongue for me. It feels like, oh, sure. I like saying Santa baby, right. you know? <laughs> mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I like saying Muppet baby, nepotism baby sounds creepy makes me sound yeah. like woody allen
2: it, it, yeah it, it feels very uh clinical it should fe- mm-hmm. there should be something a little bit slangier
1: yeah you know i feel like a um 20th century fox exec bring in the nepotism babies
2: <laughs> well yeah i i want to say about this idris Elba story not only was she not cast but specifically she wasn't cast because quote the chemistry wasn't right which I have to say, feels so insulting to her. But <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the rough part of that story, because otherwise, actually, it's kind of a good story to hear, right? Like, all right, they gave the girl an opportunity, but it wasn't in the bag. They wanted the movie to still be, you know, achieve a certain standard, and so they cast somebody else. But, man, is that funny.
1: Baby, you better run a 23 and me because if the chemistry's not there,
2: <laughs> what's your daddy hiding? Yeah. <laughs> beast of what nation we're not sure we have to figure out where you're from <laughs> um
1: i want to say that i saw beast this weekend and she would have been fine in the movie
2: oh yeah <laughs> oh you think so I, th- I think she
1: would have been fine i think she couldn't have been worse oh interesting
2: and that's too bad
1: <laughs> acting was not the highlight of this film let's Even... just put let's just put that out there
2: well all right
1: Uh, And also, as we're about to discuss our favorite uh, nepotism babies in Hollywood, I just want to point out that I dislike when black celebrities don't give their kids uh, the opportunities that white celebrities have. Because I Uh. feel like there's already, like, basically every fucking celebrity we like came from nepotism. You know, and I dislike this idea that, you know, like black celebrities should like have to work harder um, to get where they are. It's like, let's even this playing field now, you right. know,
2: and, and also maybe they should actually just get to it a lot faster. Like if, if you're a black celebrity and you have a kid. Usher that child onto film. Like put the give the bassinet on it. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Just like the penguin in Batman Returns. like toss that, toss that <laughs> baby out. Okay. Toss him into Hollywood. Uh all more black parents should really be like a Norma Jean's mom. Okay.
3: Yeah.
2: There it is. There it is. Um my favorite nepotism baby. I, I my number one has to be Jane Fonda because one. Again, it's about the comparison to Henry Fonda, which I enjoy the movie Jezebel, and I enjoy uh, uh, Grapes of Wrath. He is not that compelling to me as an actor. He's one of those people where I feel like men just like the stoniness. They like that he's dealing with emotional issues, but he's not cracking. So there's a vulnerability issue there, which Jane Fonda herself has recounted numerous times. Check her memoir. Uh, That's a very fraught relationship, and he is a very... Hug-averse father, shall we say. Um, Meanwhile-
1: Well, he's he's not giving hugs now.
2: No, certainly not. Certainly not. Um, (laughs) But her performances were always had searing vulnerability in them and had, you know, she seemed to be kind of uh, shooting daggers into your soul whenever she gave, you know, we're talking about the therapy scenes in Clue her her big moments as a reporter in the China Syndrome. And so compared to Henry Fonda, not only do I find her more- talented but i find her compensating for the ways in which he lacked as an actor uh so i've always thought that dichotomy was more interesting and also of course there is simply no second one of that woman Uh, we've had her on the show of course um just the way she does not flinch when just taking on a completely new here's an old word cause uh or type of movie role she's so game to energize people and be energized, be an active participant in the universe and all the kind of cool ways one can be and taking advantage of celebrity in cool ways. She's always been aware that like, if you're going to be a celebrity, like there are advantages to to being one. And why don't I do the ones that are most most useful to everybody? So I think that's why she's my number one. Who's your number one nepotism, baby?
1: Um, I'll tell you in a minute, but I do want to chime in that, um, Obviously, yes, I love Jane for not mm-hmm. just how she utilizes celebrity, but also like how she just enjoys the process of acting. You know, like she she's an A list actress who never had a problem jumping into like a film like Monster in Law,
3: yeah. You know, right.
1: and and doing 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 fun shit like that instead of like um, boring us with like um, she she could have transitioned to just being like a very boring actor who's only trying to get Oscars all the time. And I appreciate that she doesn't do that.
2: Right. Yeah. And also e- even, you know, just like a traditional comedy like nine to five, she took it she's like, actually this can be extra progressive in X, Y, and Z way too. You know, so she saw like opportunities to be, you know, Jane Fonda, the activist, even in seemingly um silly movies.
1: You know what? Tangential question. Oscar clip, um, this Twitter account that I love to follow, um, I think retweeted this question, um, about who was the best Oscars acting winner of 1971, and I think
2: it's it tough question. It is a hard
1: choice between Jane Fonda and Cloris Leachman.
2: Yes, also, I mean, uh, you got uh, Gene Hackman in The French Connection. I, I I feel that French Connection doesn't really hold up as much as people would want it to, but he's obviously one of the greatest actors ever. But Jane versus Cloris, I mean, you're not going to make me choose. So, I've got a gun right now, Louis. Ooh, gosh. <laughs> I do love the therapy scenes include. I guess I would say that. I, I guess she simply has more to do. So I would say Jane. Okay. Um, I'd at say one Jane point, Jack. I had the entire first therapy scene in that movie memorized, and I would lip sync it at parties. So if you're ever at a party with me, this is what you can expect.
1: Yeah. Uh, so if you get to a party and Lewis is there, <sighs> hop right back into that Uber. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm wearing a shag wig Sitting in front of a TV And talking about how it's fun to be a prostitute I
1: think My favorite is Tracy Ellis Ross
2: Interesting N- Number one and why is that She does seem to me to be very um, She's obviously a very funny uh, actress And also awards host I always like her on an awards show um, But additionally she has a secret Like alpha thing like a Mm -hmm. ha ha, don't fuck with me fuck you fierce is how i would describe it
1: (laughs) i think she has a really sort of like cool demeanor about her and i think that i would describe her as my favorite because she's one of the ones who still has her mom's last name but people are always shocked to discover that tracy ellis ross is diana ross's daughter I feel right. like she has forged enough of her own path in Hollywood um, where she's become an iconic black celebrity and her mom's an iconic black celebrity. And even some black people still don't know. Uh, they're always like discovering that Tracy is Diana's daughter. And I think it's, that is the success. Um,
2: you know, and she also, didn't- they're very different, but also Tracy Ellis Ross's humor illuminates something about her mom which is that mm. she also kind of has that humor too so it's sort of like by being introduced to tracy ellis ross like daffiness and uh you know uh, specificity you realize oh that's actually not so much different than diana ross we just think of as this you know queen of several genres of music but mainly for me disco mm. yeah and i would also say that um
1: through her acting, I feel like she's really differentiated herself from her mom because it's not purely singing, you know? Yeah. Um, we're going to ignore that um, movie she did with Dakota Johnson.
2: <laughs> Actually, I mean, I would kind of compare her to um, Maya Rudolph, right? Mm, uh, yeah. You know, whose mother is Minnie Ripperton. and obviously she died very young, so we don't get to learn as much about her personality. But there is like a, well, you can descend from this, Regal Songbird type and be a completely silly person. That's kind of uh, life affirming, I think.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, there's other choices we could have picked. You know, like Carrie Fisher.
2: Yeah, I was Carrie Fisher. Another person where it's like, she, I mean, she is so. I would compare her to Miley Cyrus, another nepotism baby, in that they specifically feel disillusioned with the things that usually um, ruin former child actors, which mm. is they they were immediately not obsessed with self-seriousness. They were not, um, you know, uh, reliant on the three or four things that made them famous as a very young person. They immediately moved in different directions. You know, it, it, Carrie Fisher was not just the imp in the movie Shampoo. She then became an author and, uh, you know, a, a comic in her own right. And, and, a, and a great uh, supporting actress in movies like when Harry Met Sally, et cetera. Um, And Miley Cyrus, of course, has, you know, after Hannah Montana, she's like, actually, I'm these 70 other fucking weird things you're going to discover. And she's avid in uh, enjoying those parts of herself. So it's kind of cool to see that.
1: Yeah. I mean, Miley Cyrus, for a period, became the original Sweetie. Right. Wow. I've never (laughs) thought of it that way. Yes. (laughs) Which, speaking of Sweetie, also one of my favorite nepotism babies.
2: Because her parent is who?
1: Well, her mom is uh, Trinidad Valentin who is like a video vixen in like Nelly's Ride With Me and DMX's What These Bitches Want. But also, MC Hammer's her uncle and Gabrielle Union is her cousin. What and the also fuck? Sno- and also Snoop Dogg is her cousin. That's what, what? My favorite. How did
2: they arrange that? My favorite industry plant. Yeah,
1: Jesus.
2: <laughs> Every which direction on the family tree is like, somebody who should be on this show. Anyway, how bizarre. Um, yeah. Another favorite of mine, of course, is Angelica Houston, just because how did a, like, a woman who's shaped like a, a, an exotic glass of wine and whose comic sensibilities are so droll and dark descend from John Houston? Okay, he's got some dark sensibilities, actually, but you would never think that they were related. You certainly would never think she was related to her grandfather, Walter Houston, who's, you know, it, it, uh, among other movies, Fabulous and Treasure of the Sierra Madre.
1: Well, I mean, if we're talking about people who we love, who you would not think about them being related to, you know, the person who got them their foot in the door,
2: um, my homegirl, Angelina Jolie. Mother of God. I mean, uh, to bring up Jane Fonda again, when she talks about John Voigt, she goes, you know, once upon a time, he would be there with me at these protests. Like something in John Voigt's brain cracked.
1: And. Isn't he opposite Jane Fonda in Coming Home, her yeah. other
2: Oscar win? Yeah, they both won Oscars for that movie. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, it's so weird to imagine like John Voight being a contemporary of Jane Fonda and sort of being a dope person and then becoming the person he is now.
2: No. I mean, uh, by the way, speaking about the same movie, also in that movie is Bruce Dern, which brings me to the great nepotism baby, Laura uh, Dern. Dern, which th- that to me is a really good answer because. She doesn't really remind me of her mom, who's a great actress, Diane Ladd, and of course, Alice doesn't live here anymore, and a number of, wild at heart, moving on. Uh, Nor does she remind me of Bruce Stern. And yet, she loves her family, brings them up constantly. When she won her Oscar, she was sitting right next to Diane Ladd. It's just a family that really gives you life because they're still, you know, obviously Bruce Stern and uh, Diane Ladd are not together, but like, Laura specifically has ties to both of them. and That's always been cool to see.
1: You know what's funny too is, a lot of the celebrities we love are nepotism babies, but also, a lot of them are from this this old Hollywood thing that used to happen of just like plucking a hot person out of obscurity. Yeah, uh huh. I but it's usually like it's usually isn't it usually like men like like a like a Brad Pitt or something um who um is on my hit list now by the way. <laughs> Wait, uh, did,
2: did you see uh Bullet Train? <laughs> no, I
1: saw the I FBI. I saw the FBI report about him terrorizing oh, yes. Angelina and his kids in the air, like Nightmare at twenty thousand feet with Brad Pitt. So, um, <coughs> sorry, i That's I'm, a wrap I've on been, that. I, I've been re, I've been rewatching the scene where he gets shot in burn after reading a lot.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's normal. Just playing it again and again. Yeah. <laughs> it's either that or the Meet Joe Black car crash. Oh my God. Plenty of moments in that movie that bear rebe- marcia Marsha Gay Harden, we speak your name. <laughs> but um, you know, I feel like
1: it's it it used the there's the air of like a Brad Pitt or something being like uh just a hot person walking around being plucked out by a casting director.
2: Right. No, the like the uh, uh Hedy Lamar universe of uh filmmaking.
1: Yeah, which is which is the usual like American dream, you know. You move to Hollywood, you're like I'm I'm just hot, you know. Right? And that's, I, how I, I'm, that's how I'm going to get a role, and it's just the hot people competing with, um, you know, the children of celebrities. And I will say, shout out to children of celebrities for at least evening the playing field for um, average to sometimes ugly looking people <laughs> getting getting film roles. Though I mean it because like. Otherwise, it would just be hot people in movies and celebrities putting their, you know, not so hot kids in movies. Strange children, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, even the playing field.
2: Yeah, it it gives um, hope to everybody else, and it's hope that's unwarranted because they are related to celebrities, but hope is a good feeling.
1: Yeah, you know, strange children like Nicolas Cage. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Right, that's a... a, People always forget that
1: he is part of the Coppola family.
2: Right, yeah. Sofia Coppola, another great answer.
1: I actually want a... um, I would love a succession-style drama or a House of Gucci, actually, about House of Coppola.
2: Ooh. I mean, first of all, I feel like Francis Ford Coppola is prone to running with huge ideas that he loses control of quickly. So you could probably just (laughs) say this to him and he'll do something that he spends $250 million of his own money on.
1: Yeah, we know the real reason Natalie Emanuel couldn't talk about uh, Megalopolis the other week is because she couldn't understand the script. Yeah. (laughs) Lots of TBD in that script. Uh, All right, when we're back, Keep It. And we're back with our favorite segment of the episode. It is Keep It. Lewis, what's yours?
2: Okay, well, this is going to be a controversial one. But my keep it goes to House of the Dragon, and I'll tell you why. One, I attempted to watch it. And as you know, it's simply not my thing. I don't... Oh, shocked. Yeah. Can you believe? Oh. Everybody liked it. So I was like, I'm going to go and try it. I think it actually has nothing to do with the quality of the show. It's just I, I, I'm not built to watch people... Have these scenes over chalices with each other? I just don't care. I can't do it. But also, <laughs> uh, just a couple of things: the wig work is distracting. I have a hard time with the wigs. It's pretty I bad. Have a, yeah, I'm and I Matt have hard, Smith. Yeah, and I relate to Matt Smith. I also have deep set eyes and a large <laughs> nose. I believe, sis, we're in this together. So, but all the hair in this—if you, every man in this movie looks like Annie Leibovitz's stunt double. And I <laughs> I can't get them apart. And also, of course, the names are all similar. The names all look like, oh, this Scrabble Rack sucks. You know, oh, Chargram, you know, whatever. I can't, I'm bad with names like that. And also, in literature, I'm like that. You know, if I'm reading, um, um, you know, like something like Anna Karenina, when everybody has like a very similar name in a, that's of another tongue, uh, that's tough for me. But um, mostly what I resent about this has nothing to do with the quality of the show. 10 million people watched it on its first week, which makes it the biggest debut for an HBO show ever, ever. Um, I know, even more so than Doll and M. I couldn't believe it. But (laughs) it just means not only are we going to get a ton more of this show, we're definitely going to get like 80 spinoffs. So I mostly resent that I can just tell the entire HBO universe is going to be taken over by this. And good, people love this. And I think also in this sort of geekdom type show, it's probably the best we've ever had on television. You know, I mean, even running into movies a little bit, it like bumps up against Lord of the Rings in terms of like quality of what you're seeing. So I can't be mad at that. I'm just mad at knowing, Oh my God, this is only the beginning. And like star Wars, it's going to be this ever expanding, you know, universe of spinoffs and reboots and prequels and, um, redos, uh, for the rest of time. So I'm simply bracing myself for more Game of Thrones content for the next 70 years.
1: I'm imagining you in the 80s being like, Dynasty, Dallas, Falcon Crest, <laughs> enough! Can't
2: we get more shows like China Beach? <laughs> well, China Beach would be late in the 80s, into yeah, the 90s. So, yeah. Um but, no, Dana Delaney culture is important. In fact, follow Dana Delaney on Twitter. She does a really good job and loves old movies. But, you're right. Um, I, don't, I can't imagine myself getting sick of Dynasty, though. That's fair. If, you know, if, if we to keep it existing
1: in the 80s, we'd be talking about Dynasty
2: every week. Right, no, there'd be a, a segment on the show called, you know,
1: <laughs> Can you believe Carroll tells Dynasty? us to keep it. Yes, right,
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> Um,
1: I would say that I enjoyed House of the Dragon. I actually thought it was pretty good. And I would describe this show, though, as... And I would always describe a lot of Game of Thrones with this. Sometimes there are Game of Thrones episodes that are, like, really, really good. And then, for the most part, you put it on, you watch it. You don't really retain any of the information week to week, but you do look up every now and again, and you're like, okay, that's cool. Someone's baby was just ripped out of their stomach by C-section.
2: Right, right. It does feel also like a a, a series where... They just take huge blocks to do exposition and then move into the thing you really want to see. So you're sort of um, anticipating those moments in between, lots of somber descriptions. But honestly, I mean, like a lot of Game of Thrones feels similar in um, tenor and feel to a movie like, this is just what's coming to mind, Elizabeth, you know? Mm. So I'm not saying there's not potential for good kind of classic drama in there. It's just, mm. I'm so, the minute a dragon appears on the screen, I'm out. I just, I, I don't want to see the monsters. Uh, I don't believe in them.
1: Feel of an Elizabeth, but it's written more like Excalibur.
2: Yes. Which, another thing, Matt Smith on this show, does he not look exactly like fucking Highlander? Did no one think, like, here here he is, Christopher Lambert, reborn, <laughs> not to denigrate uh, his fine work in the Mortal Kombat films.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's the Legolas wig that's on his head. It's, it's, yeah. uh, it's giving a bit much. Yeah. Uh, but... Whatever, I'm happy to have my dragons back. And I'm in an abusive relationship with HBO because I swore off this fucking show after last season of Game of Thrones, and here I am, looking like a dumbass.
2: Yep, Uh, clown emoji. (laughs) Insert your own, people. (laughs) To Ira, what is your keep it this week?
1: My keep it this week goes to Harry Styles.
2: Oh, he, he has been around and discussing a lot of things relevant to us as queer people.
1: Yes. Irrelevant to him as a um, CIA agent who is unwilling to disclose anything about himself, but has a lot of opinions about
2: things that really aren't his business. It is giving uh, Jodie Foster's Golden Globe speech. She's like, (laughs) I am so proud to be in front of you and having been through a journey.
1: Yeah. I think that... First of all, Harry Styles was in an interview where he discussed uh his new movie, "My Policeman," which and, is really good.: yeah, like look, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Like, but he describes how uh, gay sex in films is really just a lot of guys going at it, and in this film, it's more tender love making between two men, and I want to know. First of all, like, are you watching Sean Cody? Like, I, What no, movies not is he talking a, not, about?
2: Yeah, I can't think of one movie he could be talking about.
1: Not even Call Me By Your Name, which should have been like one of those films. Like, it, it takes, um, you feel like a lady in waiting, waiting, waiting for the sex to happen in that film.
2: <laughs> right, no. But I mean, Moonlight, and that, you don't even pan, get to see it. They pan away from it. Yeah, and Moonlight, they pan away from it. I mean, Brokeback Mountain has one moment of, you know, famously, kind of gritty sex, but that is very short-lived. And also, I can't really think of other movies he's t- like uh, God's Own Country. I don't know. I mean, I think that first of all, Harry Styles just be talking. Sure,
1: he loves to talk. Uh, he loves. He loves to have. He just loves to just be in an interview, saying shit, which is funny in its own way. But also, here is the thing. I don't care if Harry is gay. I don't care if he's straight. I don't care if he's bi. I don't care if he's, you know, Nick Jonas on gay magazine covers in 2015. Okay. Which is its own sexuality. (laughs) Right. Um, But if you're going to do this whole, like, I don't want to talk about my sexuality and I don't want to disclose it, then stop having an opinion on gay film. It's right. just very, it's weird behavior.
2: I, I, I also just think like he's trying to speak authoritatively about something while speaking in vagaries. And it's just, you're not saying anything. It's a lot of nothing.
1: Yeah. Um, also keep it to Rolling Stone UK for um, anointing him the new king of pop on that is so funny. their cover, which is I'm sorry. He has a couple
2: of <laughs> singles. <Yeah. laughs>
1: And it's not even me with, you know, this veneration for Michael Jackson either. It's, one, a couple of singles. Two, I've seen him live, and he's not doing what any of the pop girls are doing, okay? Like, King of Pop denotes that you would be on par with Queen's of Pop, you know, right. with mm-hmm. um, he's not giving Beyonce, he's not giving Madonna on stage, he's not giving Janet. Like he's, he's running around um, in brightly colored pantsuits, and that's so he, about it. He's Kamala so he, Harris.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I was going to go the pounce down route. Of course, <laughs> Kamala Harris actually is a lot funnier. <laughs> um, I want to say about Madonna quickly. Did you know that the rumored name of her biopic is Little Little Sparrow? Which you can't just take Edith Piaf's name. What? <laughs> Everybody's confused about their nicknames today.
1: There was a tweet where someone said that uh, Harry Styles um, has been talked up by white people like he's basically James Brown.
2: Right. And he is mostly, uh, you know, somebody at the thrift shop who looks amazing.
1: He's a a good singer, but he's about as a good singer as everyone else in the game right now. He's not like I'm not even listening to a Harry Styles song being like this is like the vocals like this is this is giving me something. It's just it's just pop music,
2: yeah. Uh, as it was a pleasurable single, and by the way, still in the top five. I meant to say this when you brought up Nicki Minaj being number one. I guess just the Billboard chart doesn't move anymore. Like Kate Bush is still in the top five. God love the woman. We want this for Kate Bush, but um, uh, and and something else is still in the top five that's been around for ever and ever and ever. Oh, uh, Lizzo, about damn time! I, I I remember that. I remember when about damn time was May. You know, <laughs> it's about damn
1: time for it to fall off the charts.
2: <laughs> I'm about ready. I, I
1: don't understand how the fucking billboard works at all, to be honest. Because yeah. I feel like there's the streaming numbers, and then there's the radio numbers, and like are the radio num- the radio numbers catching up to the initial streams? It's who is still listening to this song constantly,
2: right? No. Yeah, what math is involved in keeping these songs where they are or moving them around? Or why is now Mariah now always at the top of the charts in Christmas, even though, of course, she is because that's when people would be consuming that. So why wasn't that always the case? I need to stop this.
1: Anyway, I have um, one more surprise keep it, oh. which goes to, unfortunately, I hate to do this as Leo season has just ended um, and we're under attack by Virgos. Right. But I must attack two Leos. Oh, God. Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez.
2: Oh no! Two of our most productive Leos.
1: Do you know that they got married on a plantation this weekend? No,
2: not the Blake Lively situation,
1: which is a replica of a plantation that, um, his aunt, his like family once owned.
2: His own family. So he's, yes. So it's a it's a historical celebration of. What I'm going to assume is the worst part of his family history. Listen, I find
1: it extra wild because Henry Louis Gates Jr. had that show Finding Your Roots on PBS, if you recall. Yes. yes. And do you also recall that <laughs> oh, no. Ben Affleck was in the second season of that show and the episode was pulled because when they did a search of Ben Affleck's roots, they found out that his family owned slaves and he did not want that to be on TV.
2: But what he was actually doing, he's like, this would be a pretty baller wedding location. <laughs> he's like, I gotta save this. He got it pulled from TV and then apologized
1: for it later. And then, what, like, less than 10 years later, is like, "Let's let's get married on a plantation. Who cares?
2: Also, that's such a weird instinct. Like, it would have been, I don't know, valuable in a way to be like, well, my own history contains this. You know, no one would be like, I blame you, Ben Affleck, for hundreds of years of degradation.
1: Listen, if Jesse on Saved by the Bell can confront the fact that her family used to own Lisa Turtles, I think <laughs> that Ben Affleck can confront I didn't realize his they family's broke it history with slavery. Much. <laughs> <laughs> I truly, I'm trying to remember that episode. I think it was Jesse trying to do things like, I bought you a Coca Cola, Lisa.
2: Oh my God. I'm paying for your lunch. <laughs> wow. You rarely get episodes of TV about reparations. <laughs> and Lisa was
1: the richest one in the show.
2: Right. But that, that does make it kind of funnier. Okay. It's brilliant.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Saved by the bell. Secretly brilliant.
2: <laughs> I assure you it's not the original. <laughs> whoop. <laughs> You watched. it, I was like, what was wrong with me?
1: <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's our show. So, Thank God. Uh, shout out to John Boyega, and we'll see you next week. Keep It is a Crooked Media production. Our senior producer is Kendra James. Our producer is Chris Ward. Our executive producers are Ira Madison III and Lewis Fertel. Our editor is Charlotte Landis, and
2: Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to our digital team, Matt DeGroote, Nar Malconian, and Delon Villanueva for production support every week.
0: Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.
3: For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna